I appreciate you folks. I appreciate your church and uh, the spirit of the people here. I tell you what, you guys are not like a lot of churches we visit. There is a friendliness. There is a, well, <laughs> well yeah. I was meaning it in a good way, but if you want to talk about some of the other ways, we can go there too. No, um, but no, there's just a, there's a friendliness and a, a welcoming uh, here at this church that I appreciate. And we, we look forward to any chance that we get to uh, to be able to be here with you folks and stuff. So I know the kiddos are in Awana, and I was told that goes until about 7.30. So I have about an hour and 15 minutes to preach tonight. So we're going to start in Genesis 1, and our passage tonight is in Romans, but we're going to read our way there. And uh, no, I, I wanted to... Uh, just, just as a, a way to, I mean, Sunday evening's a little bit more relaxed maybe than a Sunday morning, and, and uh, I, I wanted to ask a couple questions. I promise they do actually have something to do with the message, but you won't figure it out until we get there, all right? Just a couple of fun. What is your favorite, like, like your favorite, um, I'll just say, like, it's, it's my guilty pleasure food, all right? So this is the one, like, if, if I'm going to get, like, I'm going away on vacation, and this food will be there if I have it. Did you say hot chocolate? Dogs. Hot dogs. Eat, oh, hot dogs or dogs? Because, okay, okay, hot dogs. Uh, okay, chili cheese dogs. I was a little concerned <laughs> for, for a couple minutes there. Next time Bob comes over to camp, we're going to have us a weird barbecue. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so chili, chili cheese dogs. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what? Oh, coconut shrimp. All right. Now we have a restaurant. It's called Claim Jumpers. It used to be a place we would go on our anniversary. And uh, they have coconut shrimp, and you can get it with a sriracha honey sauce. It's so, so good. You have claim jumpers over here? Okay, sorry. I, I don't know. Whenever I leave the country of California, I don't know what else is out here. So, so I don't know. Uh, I, I thought I saw some other ones. Oh, yeah. Barbecue. Like good old southern, like Texas barbecue, like pulled pork, all that. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. White chocolate and sweet tea. I'm I'm with you on the white chocolate. I I'm a white chocolate fanatic. It's it's so bad. You know, it's just it's just it's just sugar. You know, it's not even yeah, it's not even chocolate. It hardly even deserves the name, but it's so good. It's so good. Yes, I get. All right. Well, amen. Let's, uh, we're dismissed. We've all been blessed. Let's go get brownies and ice cream. I, I, I am there. Chocolate brownies and ice cream is, I'm pretty sure that's what manna was. If you look in the original Hebrew, um, it was, it was, uh, cho- uh, chocolate brownies and ice cream. Okay. Oh yeah. 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 We've all got masks. We can go in, right? And then we can sit down and have ice cream. Yeah, last time we came over a few months ago to visit with the Lens and spend the day with them, and they took us over there to Steve's ice cream. We had the cho- uh, the coffee ice cream from there. Oh, so smooth, so yummy. Oh, it was good. This is horrible, right? Like, now that we're talking about food, and now everybody's like, would you just shut up and be done so we can leave? I mean, yeah. Okay, last one here. Tacos. You know, like Jack in the Box, two tacos for a dollar? 
Oh, oh, sorry. Sorry, Taco Bell. No. Taco Bell's not real tacos? Oh, man. I tell you, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think there's, uh, I, I think there's, we, we all understand that idea, right? Of having like the, this is the food, this is the comfort food. This is the what I go back, this is like, I know I'm living when I get into this food. Okay. Hey, I asked you a question this morning. Again, that you're going to be like, what does that have to do with anything? It's just to make you hungry. It's just, that, that's fine. Now we're going to go to, to the message tonight. Um, no, I, uh, we are going to be looking at, at Romans chapter 6, uh, the end of the chapter here tonight. But um, we And we will be talking about that here in, in uh, just a few moments. You'll, you'll see where we, where we get to. <coughs> Excuse me. This morning, I asked you a question. I told you I said I wasn't going to ask you how you're doing. Because that's how everybody asks, you know, during this. How you doing? Oh, we're hanging in there. How you doing? Okay. I asked you the question. Does anybody remember what it was? How is your thinking doing? How is your thinking doing? Uh, it's different. It's a little bit different there than just how are you doing? How's your thinking doing? We've had a lot of time to think, haven't we? Yeah. And you know what typically happens when we have a lot of time? We revert. We revert, we, yeah, we, we get thinking, all right? You got a lot of time to sit around and think, you know? And sometimes it's just thinking about what am I going to do in my free time? I have a shop. It's nothing like Pastor Len's shop. It wants to be like Pastor Len's shop, but it is far cry from that. And I have the start of so many projects in this shop. And they are all in what I call the planning phase. <laughs> Which means they still look like the boards that they came from when they came from the store, you know, or the trees that were cut down that I was going to turn into some candlesticks and stuff. There, there's a lot of thinking going on. And you think, well, I've had seven months that I could have been working in my shop. I could have been cranking out candlesticks. I like to do wood lathe, like wood turning and stuff. I could have been making a lot of stuff. But no, I need to plan a little bit more on some of those things. We've had a lot of time to think, haven't we? This morning, we challenge our thinking is, what is our thinking like when it comes to souls, right? Because we interact with a lot of souls. Now, maybe we interact with them virtually. Maybe we, we see them on the television. Right now, we're getting all kinds of people talking to us, telling us a whole bunch of different things, what they believe and what they would do if they were, if they were chosen for this office. We, we're, we're getting a whole bunch of other people telling us how we're supposed to be thinking about the pandemic and different things going on in life right now, all right? But how are we thinking specifically about those souls? The people that irritate us the wrong way, the people that we look at, like the Pharisees would have looked at the publicans and sinners and said, I can't believe Christ would have anything to do with them. Christ actually stopped and he told them in, in no uncertain terms, you know what I think about these souls? I love them. I'm passionate about them. I love sinners. In fact, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. And certainly as we are, we're in Missions Emphasis Month here at church, that's something that we need to grasp. We need to understand that God cares about souls. As we pray that the Lord of the harvest would send forth laborers into the harvest, why? Because he wants to save souls. And as we look around us, it is really easy to get frustrated and judgmental and to look down at what God calls 
souls that he loves and that he showed as a heavenly father would bear shame that he would even humiliate himself to welcome a soul back into a reconciled relationship with him. So our thinking about souls has definitely been challenged this morning. But what I want to talk to us about tonight, what I feel like God wants us to continue on, as I told you, my, my plan when Pastor Lynn asked uh, if I would come today, I was like, oh, Lord, I've been reading through Ecclesiastes. This is like a great topic. We could, we could spend two services going through Ecclesiastes so easily. I mean, it's just, I mean, Solomon just lays it out there for us, you know? And then he even writes a conclusion, and we can just talk about the conclusion. What is the conclusion of the whole matter, of all of life, of, of the pleasures, of the money, of the, the power, of everything? And it comes down to, are we going to think right about that? But then as we, as I, I continue to kind of go through that and to, to read through it, and it's like God kept bringing different passages back to mind. He brought the, the study and then the context of life together. And he leads us to Romans chapter 6 here tonight. And what God is going to challenge us with this evening, Lord willing, is what is our thinking like in regards to our sin? You know, we talk about we have a lot of time during COVID to sit around. Do you know when the devil likes to attack the most? It's not when we're busy serving. It's not when we're active doing things. It's when we're quiet. It's when we've got a lot of time. And over the past seven months, I'll tell you, I'll be honest, this has been a real struggle. There have been certain things that it's like, Lord, I haven't struggled with, with these thoughts of anger in so long, but now I have more time with people, you know? Um, and, it, and it's like, whoa, whoa. The devil sees this as a prime time to attack us and to attack our thinking because we're relaxed, you know? Um, to, to use a, uh, a sports uh, analogy, I, I don't know if you've picked it up over the times I've been here. I do enjoy sports. I like watching sports because I'm not good at playing sports, you know? And so it's like the vicarious, like, look at those guys running. <laughs> I won't. <laughs> this year, I, and we'll talk about it here in, in a little bit, I've been working really hard during this COVID time to, to lose weight and to get in shape. And I was really, really proud of myself. And I don't know if this is a good pride or a bad pride. I don't think there's a good pride. But when we were in Florida a couple weeks ago, I ran on the beach and I checked something off of my, my list. I ran three miles on the beach. I was like, wow, I've, I have never been able to do that before. So I could maybe be an athlete someday. Okay, let's get real. <laughs> you know, but, but you know, I, I do enjoy sports. I like, I like competitiveness. It's one of the things I love in our team camp is that we can bring aspects of competitiveness together so that we can teach great lessons from it. You know, there's a lot of things you can learn from this. But one of the things that... that um, is, is really interesting to me is, do you know the best time for a team to make a comeback and win in any sport? No? Well, not just in the fourth quarter. It's when the other team's ahead. Yeah, because yeah. when you're ahead, you relax. You think things are going well. We already have a 10-point lead. We've already got a 20-point lead. We don't have to push as hard. And so what does the opponent's coach say? 
all right, guys, we got them right where we want them. That's at least what my coach always said because we were always behind. Like, I don't think we won one sports game in my entire high school career, right? Which is fine because we still got ice cream afterwards, all right? Which may contribute to the not being able to be an athlete now, <laughs> all right? But, but it's that like, okay, they're going to relax. We've got them up by 20, all right? They're going to take their starters out of the game, all right? Yay, I'm going to get to go in and I may touch the ball. But what happens is when you relax, that's when the opponent has an opportunity to push harder. They have an opportunity to catch up. And a lot of times, they overtake you. And that's when you get the great come-behind victories, when you've relaxed. <clears throat> so, all that to bring us to Romans chapter 6. If you know anything about the book of Romans, the book of Romans is deep. I mean, it has all the doctrines in it. It is such a deep, wonderful book. And Paul writes it like the scholar that he is. And he writes in Romans chapter 6, he is digging into stuff that is practical Christian living. And one of the things I appreciate most about Romans chapter 6 is Paul starts out and he asks some questions. I like questions. Questions make us think. Statements typically harden our will. Like, you're a sinner. Oh, whoa, who gets to call me that, you know? Right. Hey, have you been struggling with your thought life? Oh, well, yeah, yeah, I, I have. Oh, oh, okay. God knows questions get us thinking. So Paul starts with the question. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Starts off with this question. And then over the next 18 verses, Paul is going to dig really deep into a couple thoughts. The first is, what Christian is your relationship with sin? And he's saying, listen, do we need to continue in sin? Are you a slave of sin anymore? Then in verse 5 and following, he starts digging into the question of your relationship with Jesus. <clears throat> Don't you know that you've been crucified with Christ? Don't you know that you were raised in Christ? All right. You have this relationship now with Christ. And there are some really deep, meaty verses in here that when you're reading through this, you're like, wow. I've got to think about that. But then one of the things I like, I, I love about Romans chapter 6 here is that Paul actually writes the conclusion. He kind of like writes a cliff notes at the end of it for us. And he says, hey, we just talked about some really deep stuff. We're going to pause now and we're just going to recap. It's almost like the end of the service where Paul is, he's, he's preaching heavy on doctrine and he says, all right, now guys, before we rush off to Sizzler, Here's a couple thoughts for us to think about before we head out the door. And in, in verses 19 through 23, Paul kind of gives us this wrap-up. He kind of gives us some things to think about really practically. And he starts it, we'll read the passage, and then we're going to come back to it. And we're just going to walk through the passage. Because what Paul is challenging us through here right uh, in this passage, it's everyday struggle. It's everyday Christian walk stuff that we need, especially now that we're able to take a break or even maybe while we're not necessarily taking a break, Satan is ramping up the attacks, you know, and, and maybe we have even more voices now because the normal daily life, the daily grind may be altered just a bit. 
And now we've invited even more voices into our life that are going to challenge our thinking. And we want to make sure that our thinking lines up with God's word. Let's read Romans chapter 6, verse 19 through 23. It says this. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members servants to uncleanness and, and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield, ye, yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when ye were servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. What fruit have ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. I pray tonight it's applicable. It's something that we can take with us as we go into this week, that we can have our minds fortified and our thinking will be right even about the way that we relate to sin as Christians in this fallen world. In your name we pray. Amen. So Paul has just gone through this very, very deep, very rich. I, I challenge you, read it. Spend some time in Romans chapter 6. But because we don't have the time to, d- to dig through all of that, we're going to go to the conclusion here. And Paul says, here's, here's what I'm going to do. I'm talking to you in the infirmities of your flesh. Right? So I'm, I'm going to talk to you simply. I'm going to break it down right now because I know that we are all weak, that we are all sinners. So I'm going to put this recap on this message that we've been talking about in our relationship with Christ and our relationship with sin and even our relationship with the law. Right? Now, if you read through the book of Romans, you'll see that all three of those are huge themes that continue to come up as Christians are continuing to grow, as they're learning more about Christ, as they're leaving Judaism, as they're leaving even other religions. And they're just like, what do we do our whole lives? We've been taught we have to follow the law to have righteousness with God. And, and now that's all gone. And, and, and what, what do we do? So Paul is, is giving them great, practical, inspired teaching here. He says, now, I'm going to put this in a way that we can all understand it simply. Now, I look at the words here and I say, simply? <laughs> I speak to you of the affirmity of your flesh. Huh? You know, not really the way that I would I would talk, but it's the inspired scripture. So we're just going to walk through it. He says this, I speak to you after the infirmity of your flesh. Guys, this is something that we know. This is something that in your body you've experienced. I'm going to even use this illustration of something that you can relate so easily to. Now, in the past, for as ye have yielded your members servants to uncleanness, and to iniquity unto iniquity. So practically, everybody, I think, as Paul is saying, in the past, we have all served something. We've all served sin. We can understand that. Did you know that you have a propensity to lie if it suits you? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, I, I do that. I, I, I do have a natural inclination to lie if it gets me out of trouble. Okay. Paul's saying, okay, so, so we understand that. You, you understand that, that we have a natural tendency towards sin. Right? 
Now, because we are already used to serving something, we are used to serving sin, we're going to use that illustration and we're going to keep going. So you're used to serving sin if it meets your pleasures. Now, use that same attitude of service. Use that same desire, all right, to not serve sin and iniquity, but serve righteousness and serve holiness. Let me put this into an illustration that I understand. I love, I told you this was going to come back, I love donuts. All right. There's a reason that donuts have a hole in them. Because they're holy. All right. Yeah, see, there's a little dad joke there. All right. But I love donuts. All right. And and I don't love just Krispy Kreme hot donuts, the ones that are still melting when you can go in and get them. And really, it's just grease and sugar. All right. I also, I love cake donuts. A blueberry cake donut that's warm with a cup of milk. All right. Or, or a chocolate cake donut with chocolate frosting on the top. Or, or Boston cream donuts. When you bite into the warm donut and it's got the cool cream inside, I love donuts. All right? <clears throat> I understand the desire to eat donuts. In fact, now for about 36 years, or just over 36 years, I guess, <clears throat> I have understood the desire to eat. I've spent a lot of my time eating donuts. A little bit over, a little bit under a year ago, I started doing an evaluation of my my health and my life, and I realized that I am 36 years old, I think. Right? 36. Yeah, 36 years oldish. All right. I'm not ashamed to say it. I'm just unsure. <laughs> Right. And I am overweight. And I have inherited really high blood pressure. I have a seven-year-old and a six-year-old. And when I started looking at my life, I was thinking, you know what? I would like to be a grandpa someday. I would like to hold my grandbabies. I'd like to spoil them rotten. Right? And then send them back to their parents. Yeah. All right? There are certain goals that I look ahead at and I say some of the decisions that I make now may affect those goals down the road. But I love donuts. And every time I eat a donut, I have to to think this. Am I possibly cheating myself out of some time in the future where I get to spend with my grandkids. Okay, John, what does that have to do with any of this? <laughs> all right. We all understand that desire that we have, the natural, we, we eat food. We all have a favorite food that is like the comfort food. Some of them are really good for us. Now, nobody mentioned those tonight. I don't know why nobody was like, I love grilled asparagus. <laughs> you know, nobody, yeah, I mean, no, we, I don't know why we just skipped over those. You know, but whenever I see a donut, it's easy for me to eat. They've made donuts pretty much the perfect food. 
right? Because you can take it with you. It's so easy to take. But I have a higher goal that I would like to do. So what I started doing back in July, actually back in February, I actually tried to go vegetarian for a while. I said for a while. It didn't last. All right, basically once COVID hit, it was like too difficult to change meals and all that prep stuff. Grocery stores didn't have things. My wife said, I'm sorry, I love you, but we're just cooking hot dogs. We're going back to the normal stuff. All right? And you know what? That's okay. Because God, God had changed the plan, and it was one of those things. We're like, all right. So I tried a couple of different things throughout the course of this year, and one of the things that I have found is for myself – Going to a low-carb diet where I have to cut out donuts and sugar and graham crackers. I love graham crackers. Cup of milk, pack of graham crackers. It's like 700 carbs and like 5,000 calories, but it's so good. (laughs) But when I started cutting those things out, I started seeing health benefits for the better. There started being things that I was like, hey, I couldn't run before. And I ran three miles on the beach. I lost 23 pounds in the course of just over a couple months. Lord willing, I will continue to lose till I get down to my goal. But it was one of those things that I understand eating. I've done that my whole life. But I also now understand and look and say, hey, there's actually a goal. And my goal, would I would like to be a grandparent. On my current trajectory, the things that come naturally to me, donuts. That's not helping me meet my future goal. So now I have a choice to make every time that I look at the graham crackers in the pantry. And I choose salad. <laughs> And I've eaten a spinach salad every day for lunch. And I'm actually starting to like it. It takes me about 21 minutes every day to make my salad. I time it because when you're making a salad, you're just that bored that you think about timing how long it takes you to make your salad. So I chop some mushrooms. I, 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 uh, it's not julienne. I, I don't even know the, the term because I don't watch cooking shows while I do it. It's a salad. Right? But I cut up some carrots into long strips to put into my salad. You know, I, I mix it all up, and, and it's actually good. But you know what? I still have a, a tendency to really want donuts because that's what I was used to. Donut, current joy. Potential long-term ramifications. Salad. Keeps me from being hungry. Potential long-term ramifications to the good. That's what Paul's talking about here. He said, guys, you understand being the servant to something. You understand this need to eat food. You have just always in the past bowed to the inclination of sin because it was easy, because it was enjoyable for the season. And that's where our bent is. Because We like sinning because it gets us out of trouble. Sometimes sometimes we actually do find real joy in that. But it's temporary. And what Paul is about to tell us is, hey, guys, 
I understand that we have a natural inclination towards servitude. And the servitude that we have had till this point, according to verse 19, is we have been servants to sin. We've been eating donuts our whole lives. And let me challenge you. Now, yield your members as servants to righteousness. It's a choice that you have to make every time. When you see the temptation to sin, that's not pleasing to God. That's, that's not something that is part of my life anymore. And so therefore, I have to turn and I have to say, you know what, Lord? What would you like me to do? And you know what? We start to love righteousness. We grow in our relationship with righteousness where we have turned away from our relationship with sin that we don't have anymore. Paul goes in this chapter for him, we are dead to sin. The, the, we don't have to eat the donuts anymore. If I can go back to that illustration. That was the natural thing. And Paul says, no, there is a better way now and it is righteousness and it is serving God. So let's turn and do that. But how do we do that? All right. So he continues, verse 20. For when you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. What fruit uh, had ye in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. Paul is telling us that there is a change that has been made. He's reminding us that our state is no longer that of a sinner. We are now saved. We have a relationship in Christ. He's reminding us that we've been redeemed and we have been bought out of that slave market. And we have an opportunity now to surrender. And there are incentives for surrendering to Christ. He's reminding us of the other option. We were slave to sin. With that in mind, he's asking us to look back on the fruit. So how do we choose not to be a servant to sin anymore? <clears throat> how do you choose to redeem the moments that you have where you're relaxing, where Satan is attacking us? He says, just look back at the fruit that you had when you were what? Paul says we were actually ashamed. The things in our life <clears throat> that we did, that, that actually now we look back and we're like, that that was a shameful way of life. That was something that I look back and it's like, that was not a proud moment as a father when I reacted that way. And as I have time now to reflect, I can look back at that blow up. I can look back at that time that my anger got the best of me. And I can remember, that wasn't just disappointing to Christ. That was a shame to me and to my family. And now I can say, Lord, I'm getting frustrated again. I don't want that shame. Give me something better. I want to turn my fruit to come from righteousness and holiness. So when Paul is telling us, hey, it is time to make a better choice, he says, look back and see the things, see the fruit of your actions, and that will incentivize you to choose right, to choose righteousness there. <clears throat> Even those of us who were raised in a Christian family, there's a point in your life 
that we were slaves of sin, when we realized that we were slaves of sin. And all of us were born into sin ever since Adam and Eve. The entire human race was born and enslaved into sin. And maybe you want to shout and say, that's not fair. I didn't really get to choose. But even then, we really did have a choice. And hopefully each and every one of us have come to the spot where we've realized, we realized that our natural born state was that of a sinner separated from Christ. And now we have a new relationship with him. So we can choose the righteousness, or we we have a position and we have a stance and a state where we now have this new relationship with Christ. But what's the problem? Too many times we look back at the sin that was in our lives and we're like, we're just more comfortable with that. That's how we were. It's easier. And we forget the fruit. We forget the outcome of it. And we we hang on to things that actually are destroying us. We hang on to things that are actually hurting us out of our own comfort and out of our own dependence on self instead of dependence on God. We can't do that. Paul actually talks about that a lot here. Because we do have a little bit of time, I'll share just an illustration that I hope everyone remembers the the application. How many here have pets? All right. All right. Now, how many of here have a pet? And we have a dog. We have two dogs and a cat. Which the cat is an outside cat. It keeps the mice away, which keeps the rattlesnakes away. So you know, it's a good thing. Well, okay, in theory, even though we've had two rattlesnakes on our porch and stuff like that. But that's the thing. <laughs> but when we refer to our, our dogs, this is Annie is Audrey's dog. Does everybody do that? Like you, you assign that pet is one person's? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. So Pixel is my dog. Pixel is a big dog. She's about 80, well, she's about 90 pounds. <laughs> she's a lab mixed with an Australian healer. And uh, she's a beautiful speckled dog. We got her when we first moved up to Wolf Mountain. And uh, we wanted a big dog because we have mountain lions, we have bears, we've got all kinds of stuff around. We like, we just want something of presence around the house to keep other unwanted presences away. Presence-i? Presi? Pres- yeah. Pres- Critters. All right. And this is one of those things that Audrey always refers back to. Oh, Pixel is your dog. Mostly because of this story. We didn't always have one cat. We used to have two cats. We actually had two cats, and those died, and then we had two other cats, and one of those ran away, and one died. And <clears throat> Pixel was really close with one of those cats. It was a cat named Hyde, right? Gus. It was a cat named Gus. <clears throat> All right. And Gus had a problem. Gus didn't have the strongest of hearts. When our daughters were born, I had made a deal with Audrey that when, our, when Brooklyn was born, we were going to move the cats outside. That's what we got them for. Originally, they were just to be a companion to Audrey while I was traveling for camp a lot. And then she's like, well, we're having the girls. I don't want the litter box in the house. We're going to put the cats outside. Well, it was like maybe two weeks after we put the cats outside. And we heard coyotes out in our driveway. Right? So about from here to you know where the vehicles are parked outside. We heard coyotes all around. And I was like, Those, the coyotes do not come close to our house unless they're after something. 
So I run outside, and I won't tell the story the same way my wife will, because when my wife tells the story, it's embarrassing for me. <laughs> All right? So I'm going to tell it my way, but I'm not going to omit any truth. I may just omit some facts, <clears throat> <All right? clears throat> like the crying and other things that went along with it. So I run outside because the coyotes are right outside the house. I'm like, they're, they're looking for something. So I see Sean. That's our, our other cat. He's just walking on the porch like, hey, what's up? Because that's what cats do. All right. And I was like, okay, where's Gus? So I, I go outside and behind one of our planters, I hear this. <laughs> All right. I was like, we get a donkey? You know, and I look and I find Gus is having a heart attack because he's been chased back to the house by the coyotes. And I am one of those sympathetic people. I am, I am, I'm a softie. All right. If there is a commercial on TV that has dogs in it or, or anything, my wife always looks to me and goes, are you crying yet? All right. That's, that's what I have to live with. All right. And so I pick Gus up and I, I bring him up onto the porch and he's like starts scratching me like crazy. And I was like, OK, I'm going to put you down. But we were in the screen in porch. I put him down and he just like, thud. all right. And the, the door shut on him. <laughs> It's a very light door. It wasn't a heavy door or anything like that. But, uh, and so I go in and I told Audrey, I said, I'm pretty sure we killed Gus by putting him outside. Well, that part of the story, we bury Gus. We get a lot of Amazon boxes, so we buried him in an Amazon box. We have a tree that we bury pets under. It's running out of room right now, but we, we buried him in this Amazon box. At that time, we didn't have a fence around our yard, and so Pixel just kind of wandered, but she always stayed in the yard. And, it wasn't a big deal. About a week or so later, I pull into the driveway during lunch. It was much longer than that. Maybe a month longer than that. <laughs> All right. So about a month later, good time later, I pull into the yard and I park the car for lunch and I'm getting ready to go in and I see like out of the corner of my eye, you know how you see stuff and you're like, was that? There was an Amazon box in the driveway. And I was like, we didn't get a package. Like why would anybody, why didn't they just put it in our mailbox? Didn't think anything of it. So I go in, eat lunch. The last time I ever ate lunch. <laughs> it hit me. We buried Gus in an Amazon box. There's an Amazon box in our driveway. So I go out there, and there's an Amazon box. It looks like it's been dug up. There's no Gus. Okay. That night come home, take the box, throw it off to the side of the driveway because I was like, I don't want to bring it in the house. We're, we'll figure this out later. Come home later that night. Our dog, my dog, <clears throat> comes up to me. She, and and I, my dog has this horrible habit. She breathes on people. I don't know if your dogs do that too. Like she'll come sit on you and just be like, <clears throat> and, and you're just like, oh my, God, Pixel, what is that? And, and Audrey, she's like, John, she's got to go outside. <clears throat> like she smells like death. <clears throat> ding, ding, ding. All right. <clears throat> Put her outside. Like, this is just bad. We brought her in at night. She sleeps inside at night, goes outside during the day. Then it hits me. Gus, dead. Pixel smells like death. Oh, no. <clears throat> so I go out into the yard. I scour the yard, and I find Gus that Pixel had already found. Put Gus back in the box. <clears throat> Seal the box up. Bury the box. Put rocks on top of it. Next day, I come home. There's an Amazon box in the driveway. And what was happening was systematically, our dog was dismembering its beloved friend. 
Gus. And, and Pixel ate Gus. And it's absolutely disgusting. I totally understand that. But do you understand that that's exactly how God says we are with our sin? It's dead. It's disgusting. It's rotting. And we keep digging it back up. We keep returning to it. We keep going back to it. And Christ has said, do you not understand? You, are, you have died and you have risen again with me and I have saved you from that life and I have separated you from that sin and I have paid the penalty of that sin. And we're like, but, but we like it. And I'm not kidding. I had to give Pixel a bath two times that week. One of them she did voluntarily because she smelled so nasty because of the death that she had dug up. And I wonder, as a Christian, what do I smell like to God? When he has said, do you not understand? You don't need to waller in this. That's the southern word. I'm sorry. Wallow? Wallow. Waller. Waller. Right? And we say, but, but we like it. It was our friend. It brought me comfort when I needed comfort. And God says, do you not understand you're dead to sin? It has no more power you. Choose rather, instead of going back to that sin that was in your life, choose righteousness, choose holiness, dig into God's word, find a new comfort, find a change in your life based on your new life and your new relationship with Christ. And that's where he says in verse 22, he says, but now being made free from sin and become the servants to God, you have your fruit unto holiness. And I just want to quickly talk to you. What is the fruit of holiness? All right. According to Psalm 15, the fruit of holiness is intimacy with God. All right. But we look at it and we're like, God, I can have a great relationship with you. I mean, Psalm, 1, Psalm 15, 1 through 6, it talks about who shall abide in the tabernacle of the Lord and who shall walk with him. Those who do right, those who live holy lives, we can have that intimacy with God. But we're like, oh, but wait, that's sin over there. It was comforting while I had it. And God says, do you not understand what I'm offering you? We don't have to have the fruit that should make us ashamed. We can have the fruit that is intimacy with God. That's Psalm 15. The fruit of holiness actually makes us useful. In 2 Timothy 2, verse 20 through 22, God says this. He says, this this uh, great house is not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and earth, some of honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, that's the unholy things, he shall be a vessel of honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use. If you choose to say, I'm not going to return to the comfort of the sin that I lived in, but I'm going to live to holiness, God says, I'm going to make you useful. I'm going to do something great and amazing with you. But I can't do that while you smell like death. I can't do that while you live like that. Next one. This one, I think, is where it really becomes applicable in the world that we live in right now. Too many Christians rationalize and say, but I really like this thing so much that unsaved people look and say, well, then you're no different than me. Have you ever heard somebody say that? Well, if you're a Christian, you're not any different from me, then why do I need to be a Christian? You're at the same whatever rally or whatever I am. What makes you any different? The Bible says that holy living, according to 2 Peter or 1 Peter 2, 
actually will cause the people around us to glorify God. They'll look at us and say, wait a second. You know that guy, and I know I keep going back to the, the example of anger. It's one of the ones that I, I've struggled with. That guy used to be an angry guy. Something's different now. Tell me, how did you get over this? Let me tell you what God did for me. All right? Well, when you're living in that sin, nobody looks at you and says, I want what you've got. They probably say, I've got what you've got. I'm going somewhere else for help. So God can use us. God can use us to even cause others to glorify him. And then um, Brandon was talking about it earlier. A benefit of holy living is just peace with God and the peace of God. It's, it's, It's a supernatural, undescribable rest and relaxation that says, you know what? I don't have to be in control because I know who is. I have this relationship with God. I have peace with God. There's a little bit of a side note. But as we continue on through the passage, we see this. But now you're free from sin. Stop digging it up. Stop rolling around in it. Stop devouring it. Be servants of God. And can I tell you, you can look back and see the fruit of your sin, and it makes you ashamed. But look forward and see the fruit of your righteousness, and what is that? It's unto eternal life. It's actually something that you can look forward to and have joy in. And then a verse that we all know, because it's one of the first verses that we ever memorized in Sunday school. For the wages of sin is death. So many times we use this in, in soul winning. We use this, and, and that, is, that is perfectly right, and that is, that's true. But it's encapsulating two Christians. When, you, when you're living your life and you're choosing, am I going to eat from the buffet of sin and fleshfulness? The end of that is death. God saved me from that. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God, that's what we should be looking forward to. That's eternal life. And who's it through? Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So, I know I've been a little bit all over the place. Let me bring it back to this thought. What is your thinking like when it comes to your sin? Is it something that you're like, you know what? It's a slow time. You know what? I'll get it right later. You know what? Once, once I get back to normal, and once we can start having like all the normal church services that we normally have, and once I can start, you know, then, then I'll get my life straightened out. There are going to be some things that I, I'll, I'll delete from my browsing history then. Or do you look at it and say, you know what, Lord? I live that life. And I maybe enjoyed the sin, but it really is a shame. It's something that I'm ashamed of now. And because of my new relationship with Christ, I don't look forward to the end of my life and death. Because God, you have given me life. So Lord, because I can look back and see where I was. I can look forward and see where I'm going because of my relationship with you, I'm going to choose 
to submit my members, my thinking, my opportunity to be a dad, my opportunity to be an employee, an employer, my opportunity to be a neighbor, all of these opportunities, all of these things that I think about in my life, I'm going to choose to submit them as members of righteousness because I'd rather have the fruits of holiness. I would rather have a good relationship with God than have this time that I'm going to regret. We have a lot of time to think. I have a lot of things to think about. How is your thinking doing? Are you thinking like God would have us think? Or are there louder influences and voices in your life that are actually causing you to think contrary to what God's plan for you would be? There are some voices of comfort that say, hey, come back to me. Remember how easy life was when you didn't care about doing right. There's some voices of just straight up sin. You should be angry at him. You should get back at them. Maybe he cut you off on the road, you know, whatever. Or do we say, you know what? I want to be used by God and I want to be used by God to be different. I want my life to be changed like it should be as a Christian so that I can point people to Christ because I love souls and I want to reach souls for God. And I can't do that if I'm wallowing in my sin. So tonight, how is your thinking when it comes to your sin? Let's pray.